I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Hello, all. It's Sunday, January 26th, 2020. And I'm coming to you a little earlier than usual for a couple of reasons. One, because I can. I have the time of the moment, but also because it's a sad day for the sports community and for uh, a lot of people uh, because Kobe Bryant, the five-time champion, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, died today at the age of 41 in a helicopter crash along with his daughter Gianna and six other passengers and the pilot of the helicopter. And first of all, it's, it's tough, you know, anytime you get a a death, um, but particularly it's, this was tough because you, you didn't see it coming, but this was just really, really unexpected. I mean, you, you get up, it's a, it's a normal Sunday. I mean, LeBron just passed Kobe for third on the all time NBA scoring list. And, Kobe's tweeting and it's and then the next day it's 10 a.m. and and he's dead and you know it's tough but there's a reason that he is being celebrated for an entire day and probably for an entire week more or less um, because of not only what he did on the court but um, what he meant to people I mean you know First of all, on the court, you know, he was spectacular, of course. I mean, it, it says something that even I, who, you know, started really following basketball maybe in, like, 2009 or 2010, which was, you know, not even the height of his powers, um, although he did have, you know, he won back-to-back championships. And that's one of my first basketball memories is watching him beat the Celtics because my dad is a Celtics fan, so it was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't fun but it was awesome to watch and then you know uh him rupturing his achilles against golden state remember he was backing down harrison barnes and uh slipped and then that was a a big part of his career and then of course at the same time uh, a few years later the warriors were going for their 73rd win uh to pass the bulls and become the all-time winningest regular season team in history he at the same time was playing his final game uh, and of course, went out and scored sixty points, and I just watched those highlights like a month ago. Um, and it's weird; it's scary. And I'm also, you know, reading a book right now uh, about uh, LeBron and Dirk and Kobe and Doc Rivers. Uh, and it's it's weird to think that he's not there. I mean, on his Wikipedia page, it'll say you know Kobe Bryant was a basketball player and a. F- uh, and et cetera, et cetera, and all the things he did, um, and it, it won't say is anymore. And I think for someone who grew up in this generation where everything was online so quickly, that's one of the things for me that hits me the most. And honestly, you know, I didn't, if you asked me uh, last week if, how much I would, how much of a response I would have to this, I did not think it would be, you know, this much because you know, you don't really experience the death of people this big, this young. I mean, 
Uh, and this is the first time I've really experienced something like this uh, with a, with an athlete and a public figure. And, I mean, Kobe, another, like I was saying, I mean, he leaves behind such a legacy because, you know, you heard things about on the court and him with Shaq and everything, but particularly in the time that I've come to know him in the you know, as a public figure and toward the end of his career and after his career. It it just seems like everyone who knew him loved him, you know? Um, you didn't hear too I mean you obviously you heard, you know, old complaints from teammates and things, but nothing about him as a person in this new stage of life and that's part of the reason, you know, everyone is grieving so much because of the person that they knew him to be in this kind of lovable old fellow uh, in his later years. And that's why it's really disappointing or it's really sad uh, that his life had to come to an end. And uh, I won't go on too much longer, um, but one of the things that in particular struck me about this uh, was that, you know, uh, like I said, you know, Kobe was the old head on the court. He'd been around since he was in high or just out of high school. And then being in the league for 20 years, um, he just seemed like a, a grandfatherly presence out there. But then you look uh, at all, all the stories saying he's only 41. I mean, that's like, you know, the middle of your life or your life might not even be halfway over at this point with the way, you know, he treated his body and everything is probably going to live to, you know, 90 plus. And so to know that, uh, that, that he had so much ahead of him, I mean, he had so many other projects going on, uh, from things with ESPN to, you know, winning an Oscar to, you know, business ventures. I think he, he had a pretty big stake in the players tribune and all of that. And he was, uh, and of course, his family. I mean, he has a six-month or seven-month-old daughter. Uh, so to go that soon with all of that ahead of him uh, is probably the most heartbreaking part of this. Um, and it kind of puts into perspective, you know, uh, stressing and whatever. I mean, it maybe it's good in the short term, but this only means this this life. Uh, yeah, live it. And that's all I'm I'm going to say about uh, Kobe. But he will be missed, and this is going to sting for a while. So we have to pivot uh, from that to what I hope Kobe would have wanted us to be talking about this week, uh, which is sports, because so often sports provide an escape from the harsh realities of life. And we're going to do that a little bit here. And uh, give you a preview of the Super Bowl because it is now seven days away from Super Bowl 54 in Miami between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a big matchup uh, between these two heavyweights. Uh, in the NFC, uh, the Niners, ever since they beat the Saints and the Packers uh, in you know week, uh, what was it, like week 9 and 10 or something like that, They've looked like the prohibitive favorite uh, in the conference. And in these playoffs, they've acted as such. They got a little help with the Saints going down at the hands of the Vikings. But nevertheless, um, they've dominated uh, the past two playoff games. And 
they didn't show any sign of weakness or some of the things that plagued them in the second half of the season. And a lot of that is because they're getting a lot of players back. Having the bye week was huge. And getting fully healthy and seeing what that defense can do uh, was great as a Niner fan. Chiefs, meanwhile, uh, were kind of playing second fiddle this season, actually, to the Ravens, uh, who were the breakout story of the year. But And they got a little help, too, from the Titans beating both the Patriots and the Ravens. But the Chiefs have always been there. Uh, they had a little, little, little bump in the middle of the year. They lost, I think, three straight at home or something like that. But this team has always had the talent to go wherever they want to go. Um, and they've made it to the Super Bowl as such. Now, I'm going to do something I, like I did in the uh, previous week's episode, where I'm going to give you some keys to the game. And I'm going to start out with Kansas City, because I'm a Niners fan, so I want the Niners to go second. Uh, I think the first key for Kansas City, and uh, the most important on the offensive end, is attack the secondary. Because the Chiefs are just absolutely loaded at wide receiver. I mean, you've got Tyreek Hill, uh, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Miko um, Hardman. I mean, that that's the speed that they have on the in the wide receiving core is just absolutely ridiculous. And the Niners, the one spot you can attack that defense is the secondary. I mean, you've got Richard Sherman. Right, but the thing is, Richard Sherman's these. There's no standout receiver that would cause Richard Sherman. I mean, Tyree Hill is a standout receiver, but the the talent below him is not so far down to the point where he would he's going to follow Tyree Hill. We're not probably not going to see that. So, if you're the Chiefs, I think you want to mix up your schemes a lot. Line up Tyree Hill against uh, across from Mosley. You know, attack. Uh, off of Richard Sherman's side of the field, or send Tyreek Hill deep on Richard Sherman, because he got exposed, I guess you could call it exposed, once on one route against Devontae Adams late in the game when it was too little too late. Um, but I think that play gave a little bit of an insight, and maybe you know Sherman identified that and is going to make some changes for this game, but that's a little bit of a way, uh, a little bit of an insight into how you can beat this Niners defense, this vaunted Niners defense. Of course, the this, the flip side of that coin is that you need to give time for your receivers to get to the second level um, and really um, make an impact because if you're getting to the quarterback, you're getting pressure in one and a half seconds. I mean, there's really nothing you can do, even if you have speed. I'm not going to teleport. And so the Chiefs' offensive line is kind of the second part of that key, um, which is give Patrick Mahomes time. And I don't, I mean, Patrick Mahomes' legs are obviously huge. We saw that against the Titans. But, you know, I don't think you have to game plan for them the same way you do for Lamar Jackson. And I think next year Lamar Jackson is going to kind of become in the similar mold of Patrick Mahomes where he's going to if he wants to go to the next level have to become pass first run second with not as many designed runs but more of the um, quarterback is there to throw the ball but use your legs as an option if need be or to scramble um, and occasionally to throw off the defense with the designed run and so I think uh, that's the role we'll see for Mahomes now, for the Chiefs on the defensive end, the key is to stop the run first and foremost. Um, the Niners have run all over teams. Six pass attempts in the second half of the Vikings game and eight pass attempts total in the Green Bay game, which is still a shocking stat. Um, but if the Chiefs can 
here's the thing. We, we, we don't know, and I'll get to this a little bit later, but we don't know how Jimmy G is going to perform under the Super Bowl lights. I mean, he's performed well in big moments this season, but, you know, he hasn't had too many of them. And you give, you know what you're going to get from the Niners run game. You know you're going to get a power run game that's not afraid to run the ball 10 times in a row. You know what you're going to get with that. But you don't know what you're going to get with Jimmy G. And maybe, and I think the Chiefs are going to game plan this way, is stop the run that we know would destroy us, and let's make Jimmy G beat us. And at that point, it's a little, maybe the odds are a little worse than a flip of a coin, right? I think that's what the Chiefs are going to look for on the defensive side of the ball. And if they can stop the run, I don't know if they're going to win, but they've got a better chance at winning. Now for the Niners, uh, going off of what I just said, the first key to the game is Jimmy G. Because I think the Chiefs uh, are thinking the same way I am, that they need to stop the run, and I think uh, they will stack the box, and they will force Jimmy G to have to make plays. And so Jimmy G is going to have to complete those. I think one uh, a way that the Niners can sort of defeat this game plan is what they did in the Vikings game, which is the first drive, um, get the ball and pass. Pass it five, six times, maybe three or four times in a row, but give Jimmy G quick throws, you know, a couple of slants, a little out route here and there, maybe one where he has to read or he has to make two reads, right? But give him nice, simple, easy throws um, that he's not going to mess up because not doing that does a couple of things. One, it gives Jimmy G confidence because he hasn't had to make big throws in a while. So that that will help. Two is kind of brush back against the game plan. You know, force the de- Chiefs defense to be honest. And then once you do that, then you slam the ball down their throats. Um, I think that's what the Niners should be looking to do on the offensive side of the ball. I think the second key for the Niners, and I know this is kind of... Uh, I guess corny for lack of a better word, but it's momentum. Uh, You want to keep momentum on your side because the Chiefs are used to going down. They went down 24-0 against Houston and won. They went down 10-0 and 17-7 against Tennessee and won. So they're not going to be afraid if the Niners, you know, jump out to a 7-0 lead. I don't think this game will get out of hand quick, but, you know, something like that. 7-0, 14-0. Chiefs aren't going to be scared. And... The Niners almost are similar to the Titans in that they rely a lot on the run game. Well, maybe not as much as the Titans do, but that's a big emphasis. And if and the Titans fell and kind of unraveled at the end because they couldn't go to Derrick Henry, because they lost the momentum. Kansas City took the lead going into the half, and it was pretty much over because they had to play from behind, couldn't run the ball, establish it, etc., if the Niners now the Niners aren't in as much danger if they fall behind, but you know it's the Super Bowl. I mean, and the line is close. You know, it's a game of inches and minutiae. Is that the right word? Minute. Um, but if the Niners can hold the momentum in this game and control the clock and the run game, and um, and such, they will have a much better chance of winning this game than if it's a you know, back and forth shootout with three and outs here and there. I mean, that's not their style of of play. Now, I think those those are kind of the keys as far as game plan wise, what this game will come down to. Now, the Niners, I think it's good that even though they don't have much 
big game playoff experience. It's nice that they have Kyle Shanahan because now infamously, you know, he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons when they were up 28 to three against the Patriots and lost. But I think Kyle's learned from this experience and he's got a similar style of offense here in San Francisco. And I think he's really demonstrated that he's learned. He's not afraid to, you know, just run the ball to death anymore as demonstrated in these first couple of playoff games. And he's really demonstrated an ability to work well with what he's given. And so I think coaching-wise, you know, this game's pretty even. And that's why I think the line is so tight. I think it's uh, Kansas City's like a one-point favorite or something. But this game is really close, um, and it's going to be a tight one. So I'm anticipating a good game coming this Sunday. Uh, I'm a Niners fan, so I don't want to give a prediction. Um you know, I'll say the Niners win, but you never know what's going to happen. Uh, so I guess we'll all just be watching uh, this Sunday to see what happens. And I will come back with reaction uh, to it after the next week. Quick take. Uh, Drew Brees during the Pro Bowl said he'll reveal his Saints future and retirement plan in about a month or so. Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, uh, these this pack of really talented quarterbacks that kind of were from the old traditional mold uh, are leaving soon. I mean, Tom Brady, we don't know what his future is, and Drew Brees the same. But I think we're kind of lucky. You know, we're in a in a period of time where we've got these sort of old head quarterbacks, uh, and we can also see the transition to the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes style of quarterbacking that we're seeing more and more often in this league. And it's really cool that we get this intersection of styles that we can see right now. Because um, in a few years, the old heads are going to be gone and it's going to be a lot more emphasis. I mean, there'll obviously still be different styles in the league, but there'll be a lot more of an emphasis on the young running gun style. And now, right now, we get to see both. And it's really cool, in my opinion. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I can't tell what Drew Brees wants or what he should do. I hope he stays in the league, just as a football fan. Um, but it it's his decision, and I, you know, I wish him all the best. All right, thank you all for listening to this shorter episode of The Wong Takes. Um... Obviously, we're going to be missing Kobe Bryant for forever, um, but this one is really going to sting. And um, I hope that everyone, uh, hope that his family's okay, of course. Um, and just y'all let me know what you're thinking and everything, but there's really not too much to say. So thank you so much for listening. As always, check out the website, bit.ly slash thewongtakes at gmail.com. Uh, rate and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Send questions, leave voicemails. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And I will see uh, all of you with reaction to the Super Bowl uh, next week.